Discover the new 3-Step Pro Partial Range, specifically designed to clean your partials and remaining teeth in three simple steps. Clean your partial, strengthen your natural teeth, protect your whole mouth. Stand up to further tooth loss with Polident Pro Partial, available at Walmart. Game time on the big stage Sunday Night Football. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jansen and Lou Coldplays. Your go-to show for all things Broncos. That's right. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast. It's time to talk some Broncos. It's time for Luke and I to spread our wings a little bit and drop some knowledge. I'm Chad Jensen, the publisher of MileHighHuddle.com, and with me is my co-host, semi-pro football coach, NFL draft analyst, Luke Polglaze. Luke, it's been a while since last you and I podcasted together. Have you been having some withdrawals? Honestly, this spring has kept me so busy I haven't even had a chance to really miss anything. Yeah, no, this is this is the this is the intense period of time for me because I got the draft coming up. Um, for as a high school coach, I'm running guys down, getting them to to university camp. So this is yeah, this is the this is the fun part, as they say, but it's most definitely the busy part. Luke is a busy, busy boy. Not only does he. Um, in the past, has he had experience coaching semi-pro? He's coaching high school. He's doing NFL draft work over at Inside the Pylon, and uh, he's he's a busy dude. But we are excited to focus our efforts in podcasting once again on Huddle Up, and uh, we're not here to just report news because in today's day and age, you can get that anywhere. We're here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team. And as a listener, what you can do to really help us out is when you see them on Twitter, retweet the episodes. When you see them on Facebook, share them. And make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUp underscore MHH. Take a second and get that done. Now, this is a MileHighHuddle.com podcast, but there might be a fraction of you listening via iTunes or Stitcher who might not be aware of what we're doing over at Mile High Huddle. We're part of the Scout.com CBS Sports Digital Network. We have killer premium Broncos content. And like this podcast, it's more deep dive stuff for the Broncoholics out there. Our premium members get 10% off on tickets and 10% off on Broncos team merchandise. And Luke also puts in work over at InsideThePylon.com. As I mentioned, make sure you're following that fine publication. True kind of football nerd stuff for those who want to broaden their horizons and expand their knowledge of the game. Also make sure you're subscribing to Huddle Up on iTunes. The show can also be found on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeart, Castbox. And as we get closer to the NFL draft, things are going to be heating up at Dove Valley and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. All right, so Luke, an interesting story came uh, through the feed this week and it kind of revolves around Denver Broncos former 2013 second-round pick out of Wisconsin, Monte Ball. Now, there was a piece by, I believe it was Alex Marvez of Sporting News, that kind of has documented Monte Ball's path and and trajectory post-NFL. And as we all know, the Broncos cut him uh, following, well, as they trimmed down the final roster in 2015, the Super Bowl season, they released him. Uh, or waved him, I guess, and uh, he bounced around a little bit. He had a couple of shots with with a couple other NFL teams, including, I think, the Packers spent some time, of course, on the New England Patriots practice squad. But 
all this while, while we're trying to figure out what, what was going on with this supremely talented kid who was so prolific in college, what we found out is behind the scenes, what was derailing his career was alcoholism. And if you read the piece by uh, Alex Marvez, very compelling, great read, take a second and check it out. But Ball started drinking in an abusive way in college, and that might not be too big of a surprise for those those of us who have been in, in the college dorms in that time in our life, we, you know, partying, getting crazy a little bit. But he took it a little bit too far, and it became a habitual type of thing. And it transferred over, essentially, Luke, to to his career as a professional with the Broncos, and it even reached a point. I mean, he talked about, in this piece, drinking three, four nights, you know, going out and clubbing three, four nights in the middle of the season, and then waking up still drunk on the morning of practice, hitting the steam room to sweat it out, and then onto the practice field. And his position coach, this is one thing I thought was interesting, Luke, Eric Studisville actually tried to reach out to him and tried to help him, smelled alcohol on him, behavior, I've noticed a pattern, this and that, and Ball, of course, ignored him. And then after he was released from uh, the Broncos and he kind of bounced around a little bit, he had domestic violence charges, uh, which he ended up pleading uh, down. But what seems to have really turned the ship around for Monte Ball was the birth of his son, uh, who is named Maverick. And now he's in recovery, abstaining from drinking any kind of alcohol, and he is back in a, in a re-entry program at his alma mater at Wisconsin to finish his degree. So I thought it was interesting, Luke, and, you know, although the NFL, and he talks about it in this piece, that one of the big rude awakenings for him, making the jump to the professional ranks, was how much of a business it really is. And the NFL most certainly is is a business, a lot of dollars you know, uh, involved and at stake on a daily uh, daily basis. But what's it going to take? Here's here's what I was thinking about reading this piece: is what's it going to take for young pro athletes who are making that jump from the college ranks to the NFL to appreciate the magnitude of their opportunity in the NFL? Because and Monte Ball expresses concern there, Luke, in the piece that you know he kind of missed the boat. He had an opportunity to set himself up for life with his NFL career. And unfortunately, his disease, his alcoholism derailed that. Yeah, that's the thing. And especially with a lot of these young guys, you know, getting to the NFL is a dream that they've had for years of their life, that they've been working for for years of their life. And especially when you're a guy like Ball, um, who had, you know, such a great career at Wisconsin, it's kind of almost really for some of these guys an eventuality that they're going to be in the NFL and that they're going to play at the NFL level sooner or later if, you know, they stay healthy and get through college. They're going to play. You know, he, he set the, uh, I believe it was the NCAA record for touchdown scored. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, correct. he was a he was a very, very good college player. And so, of course, the expectation then at a certain point, you have to turn your uh, kind of long term efforts towards the NFL. So that's, you know, that's a big deal. And it's, you know, it's a lot of asking, um, you know, some of the, the day that they step onto a college campus that they're already auditioning for the NFL. And that's a lot for, you know, to force on a young 18-year-old kid. Um, but if you've got a guy like Jadevian Clowney stepping onto, you know, a college field, um, I believe he was the, I think, the number one overall recruit in his high school class. He's a freak. He's going to, he's probably going to start, you know, as a true freshman year one. So, you know, three, four years from now, the NFL is going to come calling. And you can bet that if he has any kind of stuff going on 
early um, on in his uh, college career that that's going to pop up because all the college career matters. You know, high schools can kind of get overlooked really. You know, NFL doesn't – I wouldn't expect scout back that far typically. But anything in college, that's fair game. And as soon as you start into college as a as a athlete, as a young man, that is all an extended job interview. Yeah, most certainly. And it really is a shame because as a second-round pick, obviously the Broncos had some pretty high hopes for Monte Ball. And if you look at his rookie campaign in 2013, uh, he contributed pretty well. He had, he had some good games there backing up uh, no Sean Moreno. And everything looked good, but little did we know as he continued to you know, he he just wasn't ever really able to take control of the group and win the starting job without someone ahead of him being injured. And then, of course, he had that that last injury where he injured his groin and was put on IR, and that was the last Broncos game, he, NFL game, actually, he ever appeared in. But his career was, he, he had the world by the short and curlies, if you will. And a disease like alcoholism, I mean, most of us, in uh, those listening to this program, most people have experience, whether it's through friend, family, personal experience, <clears throat> with some form of addiction. Might be tobacco, might be alcohol, might be prescription drugs, might be something else. And once you introduce something that pervasive, it really eventually becomes not just a cop-out. I mean, this can become very much a disease for people. And for Monte Ball, it stripped away, really, his opportunity to make a lot of money, which could have set himself and his son and his future family up for, for life, really. And it's such a shame to see it happen, uh, but we can't forget. I mean, the NFL is, is populated by professional athletes who, at the end of the day, are human beings. And human beings in the real world, we face these type of obstacles, and we have to <clears throat> juggle them and, and overcome them. And in the case of Monte Ball, Luke, it just it got the best of him. And at least the good news is now he's focused on he's on the right path. He's off the booze, and hopefully he can go back, finish up his degree, and, and start a new career doing something else. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have kind of a bit of a biased perspective, I guess, on this, just as a former high school and semi or current high school former semi pro coaches, you know. I see guys in the semi-pro ranks working incredibly hard for even just a shot to make it in the CFL, not even necessarily the NFL. You know, these are guys who go out and just put it all on the line and just work hard and practice every day and train hard, you know, play hard, everything, because they want a shot in the NFL. And some of these guys who I've coached, I've seen them, they have the talent to play at the next level, undoubtedly. They have the talent to make it at a higher level of the league and, you know, they don't always get that shot. And so I'm a little bit biased because I believe that, you know, the the Joe Mixons of the world, you know, we should hold these guys to a higher standard. And if they have anything on their record, you know, that suggests that, you know, they haven't comported themselves to the degree that they should, you know, as a representative of a school like Oklahoma um, and uh, the program there. There are guys who are talented, who are working hard to get that spot and who their every ambition is to get that spot. That is Joe Mixon's. I'm not saying that Joe Mixon doesn't work hard, but I'm saying there there are guys behind him who want biased in that sense that I always believe that there's the, the next guy up who's working hard, who can take that spot. And there are only so many NFL spots. So you, absolutely. You wish Monte Ball the best. But at the same time, the NFL is a completely unforgiving league sometimes mm-hmm. just because there's such a talent pool. 
Um, and, you know, a situation which we see come up time and time again in this league is, you know, the case of talent versus, you know, mistakes. Yeah, and that's 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 the first thing that, that came to my mind was, again, what's it going to take for some of these young pro athletes making the jump to appreciate the magnitude of the opportunity the NFL is giving them? I mean, in that piece, Monte Ball talks about being at uh, one of those NFL symposiums for the rookies where they're basically trying to put these kids, these young kids, in the best position possible to maximize their opportunity as finite as it might be. No one knows how long anyone's career in the NFL is going to be. Trying to give them life lessons, life coaching, do's and don'ts, manage your money, uh, etc. And he's back there in the back nodding out, fiddling around on his phone, posting on Instagram, and he freely admits that. And unfortunately, these these young kids, like, you know, you try and put yourself in that position where here you are, you have the ability and the wherewithal physically to play a game in which the owners of that game, the top dogs, are willing to pay you hundreds of thousands of dollars, and if you're good enough, millions of dollars, and yet you can't put the phone down to accept this wisdom that's being taught to you. You can't stay, you know, decide to stay home from the club and make sure you get your your you know beauty sleep so you're fresh for practice tomorrow and make sure you're you know all these things you think about it it's like man how can they miss out on the magnitude of this opportunity is staring them in the face but then again that's where i come back to and i i totally understand your bias because you see on the flip side of, of dudes trying to make it trying to grind through from the from the very bottom to and trying to get to the top these guys are human beings as well and unfortunately guys like monte ball johnny manzel at a certain point, they feel like they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. They don't really have a sense of their own mortality. And if I think back to myself as a 21, 22-year-old dumbass, I can relate to that. There's a lot of things at that point in my life that I didn't fully appreciate, right? You, you kind of grow up in that way. And I can only imagine. I mean, I could tell you what I would do with that type of an opportunity right now as a man in my 30s with a wife and children and a mortgage and and bills to pay and all that stuff in terms of appreciating it. But when you're 21 and 22 years old and you've been told your whole life that you're the best and here you are, this team's paying you big-time money. I mean, these guys, some of them miss the forest for the trees, and it's just a damn shame. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, these are kids we're talking about in some cases, young men who are, you know, making mistakes that shape the rest of their lives. You know, I've worked with high school athletes who I think have an opportunity to play in college. Some of them are playing in college right now. Um, and, you know, it's it's something that you just have to keep them, you know, focused. Ball is one of those things that it's not just about the game. It's about keeping, you know, keeping kids in order um, and helping them to kind of to be a mentor them sometimes um you know it's it, football coach in high school is just worth so much more than just your stuff on the field it's about off the field as well and these are young men who sometimes just don't have guidance just don't have direction and a coach can be that for them um can be that kind of mentor experience for them um which is just so so crucial um and honestly you know these you, these young men they make poor decisions sometimes, and that doesn't mean we shouldn't support them. But some some of these things that have been done, man, I you know I I, I can say I support Joe Mixon, and I you know I, I think he needs support, and I can say that I think Monte Ball needs support. But at the end of the day, I don't you know there's sure. there's a limit to that. I just sure. uh, some of these guys I just don't think deserve a shot at this point. Oh no, and I'm with you on that. I mean, your opportunity came, 
and you failed to capitalize on it. And it's terrible that you developed the the disease of alcoholism, but you know you made your bed. Unfortunately, I mean the the disease of addiction is one of the uh, only ones that I know of that you. Well, I guess you could look at some sexually transmitted diseases or something like that. But it's a disease in which your own behavior led you to that disease. It's not necessarily something that you woke up one day not feeling so well. You go to the doctor and find out you're an alcoholic, right? So these guys, you know, the behavior led them to that path, unfortunately. And a guy like Ball, hey, we wish him the best. Hopefully uh, he'll be able to stay on the on the straight and narrow, stay off the sauce, and be able to finish his education and be a father for his son. But a couple of orders of business to talk about, some Broncos uh, goings on this week. They signed Capri Bibbs and Benny Fowler as restrict or uh, exclusive rights, excuse me, free agents. Capri Bibbs and Benny Fowler both signed. Now, of course, Capri Bibbs came on strong last year toward the end. Uh, I'm thinking of that Week 13 road trip. Well, it really started uh, Week 9 at Oakland where he took that screen pass uh, to the house, and he kind of kept building momentum, building momentum, and when he got injured in that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 13 on the road, I mean, dude was averaging almost 10 yards per touch when he had that really high, well, really severe high ankle sprain. So I'm actually really intrigued by Capri Bibbs. I'm glad he's he's back in the fold. I'm excited, Luke, to see what he can do. And then Benny Fowler, I think, you know, it's great that he signed, but I think this is one of those scenarios, former undrafted guy, where depending on what the Broncos do in the draft, this year might be one of those kind of put-up-or-shut-up opportunities for Benny Fowler. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you love to have depth like these two guys on an NFL roster. You love to have what they can bring to your team. Um, I'd really been down on kind of Capri Bibbs really throughout his um, throughout his tenure with the Broncos. And then he ended up kind of surpassing all my expectations last year and really kind of setting the bar higher. So, you know, I really think he can play a part in this rotation. He showed a little bit more burst than I really gave him credit for. And Benny Fowler's been kind of on the fringe of the roster the last couple of years. Um, uh, you know, his hands were really inconsistent last year, and that was really what hurt him. Um, but he I mean, he he caught Manning's last touchdown pass. It's not it's not that he hasn't you know had an impact in the game, or should I say, his last two point conversion right, at least. Right, right. I mean, yeah, it's it's two guys who kind of on a lot of NFL teams might be further worked into the rotation, but there's depth on this Broncos team still, and that is you know that's what's important. Yep. Well, another piece of news is the Broncos waived defensive lineman Travis Rossidi, whom they signed a little while back. And then I think he just signed a a futures contract in January, defensive lineman. They decided to waive him. And many fans don't even know who Travis Rossidi is. Basically, he's a developmental trenchman. Where did he play college? I think Fresno State, off the top of my head. San Jose State, my bad. So undrafted guy in 2015 trying to claw his way into the NFL, and it's not looking like Denver's going to be that opportunity, Luke, because they just signed, lest we forget, Bobby Richardson, Domita Pecco, Zach Kerr, plus they still have a guy like Kyle Pecco on the roster who they have some pretty high hopes in uh, in 2017. Right, where a guy who's barely, you know, holding on to the edge of the roster just loses his grip, which is sad. You know, it, it's rough seeing guys like this again put in works, fell just claw for every opportunity, and then roster math and free agency happens, and they just get pushed off the roster. But best of luck for for him, and you know, I know he'll he'll definitely have the shot to catch on somewhere else. 
Now, before we get to the last segment of, of today's episode, I want to talk to you really quick about a, a study that was done by the Interactive Advertising Bureau and Edison Research, which showed that consumers are highly likely to purchase from podcast sponsors. According to a survey of 1,000 podcast listeners, nearly two-thirds of them, 65%, were more willing to consider purchasing products and services they learned about during a podcast. 60% added that given equal price and quality, they prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. Now, in today's day and age, uh, maybe you don't know this, but a lot of the money that companies, uh, manufacturers, companies are putting into advertising in the radio realm, for example, and even the newspaper realm, which this has been a trend going on for the last 15, 20 years, but especially with radio right now, that advertising money is shifting over to podcasting. And the reason for that is that that's where people are do, are going now. That's where people are focusing on uh, is they consume their audio content with their favorite podcast. So if you're listening to this show as a business owner, you have a product you're, or a service you feel like you want to get out to the world, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at milehighhuddle at gmail.com, and we can talk about it. Now, the Broncos, of course, are kicking off OTAs on Monday, April 10th, up this upcoming Monday. And with OTAs come the beginnings of the position battles. Now, it's not going to really heat up, of course, until training camp. Um, but, you know, the end result doesn't always happen if, when it comes to winning starting jobs and, and the like usually until late August, um, but the competition for, let's say, a roster spot or the competition for a starting role officially begins in April. Now, the Broncos have one of the deepest rosters in the league. They do have some holes. Those holes, maybe that's a topic for another uh, episode. But on both sides of the ball, Luke and I had identified a couple of depth guys who could push for a starting role. And I'm going to take the offensive side of the ball. Luke's going to take defense. And starting on the offensive side, I could sit and talk about Paxton Lynch, right, to start things off. But we already know this is a guy who's going to be pushing for a starting job in, in the open competition with Trevor Simeon. And for what it's worth, I like Lynch's chances. And, and we'll talk more about it as we get into that the actual competition itself. But I'm going to start in the trenches at offensive guard. And we know that Ronald Leary... Uh, was was signed to be one of Denver's starting guards. He's got that lockdown. It might be right guard. Odds tell us it's going to be left, which is where he spent you know most of his starts in the NFL left guard for the Cowboys. Now let's face it, Max Garcia, who started at left guard uh, last year, this is a guy who has the kind of the inside track to winning that second starting guard job. But I'm really curious to see what a Connor McGovern might be able to bring to the mix. Now, understand, I'm not making any kind of bold prediction here, neither Luke or I, saying that these guys, it's going to happen or anything like that. These are guys we're going to break down as, as dudes who we believe have the opportunity and the ability to truly push for a starting role in 2017. Now, let's take a look at Connor McGovern. This is a kid who was drafted in the fifth round last year out of Missouri, didn't dress for a single game. He ended up sitting behind two not-so-good guards all season long, okay? But what does that mean? I mean, if, if those guys were failing so, um, you know, struggling so much, why didn't Connor McGovern get an opportunity to step in? So there's questions there about what his skill set is, what was it that was holding him back? But on the flip side of that coin, we also know that the front office had a lot of concerns about Kubiak and his staff not doing enough to develop 
some of the draft picks, some of the developmental guys, they weren't getting that done. Now, coming out of Missouri, Connor McGovern and Luke could probably speak to this a lot more authority than I can, but he was known for his strength. He was known for his versatility, could play in either, you know, either a zone system or a power system coming out of Missouri. And you look at his situation, Luke, and this is one of the things that really intrigues me heading into this, this year's competition, is the Broncos now have these players, a new set of eyes, a new coaching staff, evaluating them. And I'm really curious to see if Connor McGovern can push for one of those starting jobs because Max Garcia, I mean, yeah, he's also a former draft pick, fourth rounder in 2015, but last year he really didn't do much to put a stranglehold and say, look, I'm Matt Paradis, for example, I've got center locked down. No one's really going to be pushing me for that job. Sure, i got to do my job, and sure, i got to keep guys at bay, but I'm the presumptive starter, and I don't think Max Garcia, Luke, has quite established himself in that way in Denver. And I think Connor McGovern, with a new set of eyes, a new coaching staff, Jeff Davidson and company pushing him, has the opportunity to win one of those, uh, to win that second guard opportunity, uh, playing opposite of Ronald Leary. Absolutely. I mean, this line is in need of fresh blood really across the board. And with a new regime, a new look for the line, this is kind of the door just tipping slightly ajar for a guy like McGovern who can kind of step in and kind of claim that spot. You know, it's not that we're writing him off as a bus yet. I don't think anybody can safely do that at all uh, a year after a guy's been in the league. So this is this is the shot, though. This is the opportunity he's going to get to step up and take that playing spot. Um, I loved his tape coming out of college. We all know he has the strength on and off the field. Can he just translate that, though? Yep. And he can he parlay that into even just being a game day active player is really the next step. Absolutely. Now, my second guy real quick, and then we'll go to the defensive side, what Luke's got cooking, is Jeff Hireman, tight end. Now, listen, I know Virgil Green is the presumptive starter. You look at the depth chart on paper, that's who you're going to pencil in as the starter. And a lot of the, the tight end depth chart, of course, could be affected by how Denver's draft hall turns out because I do expect Denver to take a tight end at some point in the draft. A.J. Derby factors into the competition, um, but I think Green is a guy, and I made a video about this earlier this week at Mile High Huddle, but I think Green is a guy who's at that point in his career, kind of that the perfect storm where years on the roster um, and cost and a lack of production could spell his undoing because for a blocking tight end, he's making a lot of money. And the Broncos could save $2.8 bucks on the cap by releasing Green with the, the, the uh, post-June 1st designation. So Green might be the elder statesman of the group, but I think Jeff Hireman is going to have the opportunity to make a play for a starting role. Now, we look at what we know of Jeff Hireman, of course, third-round pick out of Ohio State in 2015, tore his ACL on a punt coverage drill in rookie minicamp right after he was drafted. It was tragedy recouped from that came back in 2016 there were some issues some concerns behind closed doors at Dove Valley about his maturity some off-field issues and I don't mean off-field issues in terms of you know run-ins with the law or anything but really just kind of stems to maturity issues lack of focus on his priorities etc the same issues the Kubiak factor the same concern that applies to a guy like Connor McGovern applies I think as well to Jeff Hireman in terms of 
that staff not doing enough to develop the guys in the middle and at the bottom of the of the depth chart. Because when Jeff Hireman did have his opportunities on the field early in the season, a couple of big catches, then a big spell of nothing, and then late in the season when the when the postseason uh, hopes were in the toilet, that he finally saw the field again in those last two weeks made some plays. So when he's had his opportunities, Hireman has found a way to to make some kind of an impact. The question for me, Luke, with Jeff Hireman truly pushing for a starting job is his blocking acumen. Now, as a coach, you know a lot more about the technique aspect uh, than, than I would, but if he can put it all together with blocking, I think what I've seen from him as a pass catcher definitely encourages me but I think he's going to have a shot to prove himself as a starter this time around. As a third-round pick, Denver really wants to see him uh, capitalize on that pedigree. I mean, if I could quantify the amount of hours I have spent trying to get guys to block or like take on blocks aggressively, it would be a lot. Um, <laughs> guys to block, uh, especially at the high school level, he's going to dominate because nobody wants to block or be blocked in high school. They want to be flashy and go make plays. Um, but uh, Hireman is an interesting case because you know he's had these off-field concerns of maybe not you know not picking up the playbook as quickly as he should, which is you know to be expected with rookies. But getting into his second season and still struggling with it is an issue, especially when you're out there and learn an entirely new system. And this is, you know, some someone who's had kind of publicly and privately whispers that he's just not that adept at picking up playbooks. And so that is an issue. And that is going to be kind of, I think, the kicker into really, you know, where starts or plays a role on this team. You know, we, we've, we've seen him put it together sometimes on the field. But, God, it's just so frustrating looking at him his way on the field just because he isn't exactly sure what's going on. He still has a lot of questions to answer. There's no doubt, Jeff Hireman. Um, but I think the opportunity this time around is going to be there for him. Now, will he capitalize on it? We don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not. I don't fancy myself a football Nostradamus. But I know he's going to have the opportunity, and I know the Broncos, as a third-round pick, now two years removed from that are going to give him every opportunity to succeed. Now, Luke, you have a couple guys for us on defense who you think might be able to push for a starting role. Yeah, definitely. I mean, one guy who the kind of the obvious one, the first name that jumped to mind was Shaq Barrett. Um, I mean, he's he's had an impact so far in limited, started a couple games for Denver, but he's kind of been the extra hand uh, of rushing the passer and playing outside linebacker. Um, he's always kind of been that guy who's, you know, a dependable rotation player. And so the Broncos have really been able to look to in, in the past, historically, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware and Shane Ray. DeMarcus not in this equation anymore he's out of it and so Shane Ray and I think Shaq Barrett are kind of closer to that starting spot um, than some people would realize um, in you know from what I've heard uh, the Broncos you know are you know they think that uh, that Shaq Barrett can take in the the next step this year they really think he can go on and de- kind of solidify a, a larger spot in this rotation you know there are always snaps to be found rushing the passer there's just only so many to go around so Shaq Barrett, I think, is a guy who really has shown that he can rush the passer. He can show he can create some havoc off the edge. And it's it's more a question right now of him. that He can be a starter as opposed to just a rotation guy. But I think he is definitely in that conversation. Yeah, you, you look at Shaq Barrett and as a as a player, you know, comparing him to to Shane Ray, 
Shane Ray might have more prolific ability rushing the passer today than Shaq Barrett, not to necessarily take anything away from Shaq, but Shaq Barrett is by far the stronger player in the run game and setting the edge and just being more of a physical presence uh, at the point of attack. So the Broncos, the, the defensive staff now led by Joe Woods, are going to have to juggle and, and weigh which of those priorities and skill sets takes precedence as a starter. And I think definitely the opportunity is going to be there for Shaq Barrett. I mean, here he is now, former uh, undrafted kid out of Colorado uh, State, CSU. He's got to make some hay while the sun's shining. And as awesome as he was kind of breaking out uh, in 2015 in Denver Super Bowl season, last year he didn't really have much production to speak of. I mean, in the run game, like I said, when he was on the field, he tended to um, execute his his uh, assignments well, and, and, he, and he held down the fort in that way. But he didn't have the sacks uh, to really reflect his, his ability as a pass rusher. So I know he's motivated. Uh, he's, I believe, restricted this year. And so the future, if he wants to be able to, to be one of these guys who gets a, a big money deal on the open market – He's gonna. He's got to make some hay while the sun's shining. So I agree with you. That's going to be one of those position battles on defense that's going to be really fun to watch this year. Yeah, and another one that you can kind of look at already and just see coming down the pipeline, Brandon Marshall is really going to be the the starter at one of the linebacker spots. But the other stops, uh, the other spot is still kind of up for grabs. Um, I think they definitely draft. Obviously, the final makeup of that roster spot is yet to be settled. Um, but I would not be surprised if Corey Nelson makes a strong push for that other spot. Um, he, uh, you know, he played well in spot duty last year, not particularly well, but just well enough. And since Todd Davis has kind of shown that he's just a two down limited backer, um, the Denver Broncos, they know what they have in Todd Davis. He's going to, you know, run stuff and he can play decent enough coverage, but not enough, you know, not in man. If you put him in zone, he'll get by, but not for the love of God. Don't put him in man. That's what the Falcons burn them with. So, you know, they, they know what they have in him. They, they can kind of scheme around that to a certain extent. And he can kind of prove to be more over time for the Broncos. So I think, you know, the more he improves, the more he brings to this battle, the more he pushes Todd Davis, the better this team is. Because that's what competition is all about. And it's about guys pushing guys for other spots. Yep. Yeah, Corey Nelson is certain. I mean, the opportunity's there. At inside linebacker right now, those guys, the opportunity's there because, as you say, Todd Davis on first and second down, he did his job. I mean, he didn't miss a tackle all year long. I mean, you could sit and break down his tape and, and pick nits out of it because the Broncos did take a huge step backward in, in defending the run last year, slipping all the way down to 28th. But he he was a physical player. He... He did, uh, you know, he didn't miss when he would tackle, and there is that. Face it, he was he, he wasn't Danny Trevathan, and the Broncos need another guy they can count on, and that's something I didn't really put a, really think a lot about actually, Luke, as it relates to Corey Nelson, because I did a piece of uh, I think it was over the weekend this last weekend, but I did I I took a look at five guys who could be on the roster bubble. I mean, this time of year, there's not a lot to talk about. This is the time where it's actually pretty fun for me as a writer, as a content creator. It's fun to speculate a little bit without trying to get too far into prognostication. I don't make any guarantees. I'm not trying to be the the hot take artist and bold predictions and all that. 
But I, Corey Nelson was one of the names, one of the five guys I, I believe could be on the roster bubble in 2017. But the one thing, I, and, you know, comparing him against Todd Davis, comparing him against guys like Zaire Anderson, but the one thing, Luke, I didn't really appreciate as much as I maybe should have, and I'm glad you brought this up, was his skill set, what he brings to the table as a coverage linebacker that Todd Davis does not and we have yet to see from Zaire Anderson. And I think with, as you say, as, as we saw the Broncos get exposed in that week uh, five loss to Atlanta last year, those linebackers have to be able to cover better out of the, you know, line, uh, running backs out of the backfield, tight ends, and all that. And Todd Davis hadn't been able to show out well in that department. Corey Nelson has, even though, you know, as a former seventh-round pick, he defied the odds. He's made stuck to the roster for three years. He hasn't really distinguished himself on defense but even though he could be a guy on the bubble in my mind this year I would agree with you as well that he also he's on one of those tipping points where he could also be a guy who competes for the starting job next to a a Brandon Marshall yeah, and it's funny sometimes how those those kind of situations play out that they're so close to maybe you know if they play just well enough that they're going to crack a starting job just poorly enough in preseason, they're going to be off the roster. Yeah. Um, so it, it is kind of a fine line to walk in the NFL sometimes for these guys auditioning for jobs, really. Um, and uh, yeah, I think kind of Corey Nelson really epitomizes that this year. Now, could Denver go inside linebacker in the first round? Oh, absolutely. You bet. I think they probably will, in fact. But, um, you know, it, you know, as it stands right now, Corey Nelson, oof, he is writing contention for a starting job, in my opinion. Absolutely. Well, hey, Thanks for listening, everybody. Spread the good word. Get the word out there on Huddle Up. Uh, Tell your friends. Tell your family. Retweet the episodes on Twitter. Share them on Facebook. And make sure, obviously, you can't see to retweet the episodes on Twitter if you're not following the show. So make sure you're following at HuddleUp underscore MHH. You can find Luke on Twitter at Luke Polglaze, myself at Chad N. Jensen. We do love hearing from you, so hit us up. And we'll try to address your questions and concerns on the show as often as we can. Luke and I, we're trying to figure out what our schedule might be. And, you know, as soon as we know with any kind of regularity what that might be, we'll let you know. But Nick and Carl are also doing great work focusing on kind of draft-related topics. So stay tuned for that. And don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Luke, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile high huddle. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.